1: When you have faith in Christ, you are reckoned righteous and thus you become a child of Abraham according to the authority of the Apostle Paul and you are not an outsider, you are inside the plan of God, inside the family of God. When God commands the Sabbath to be kept by the children of Israel throughout their generations, as far as the New Testament is concerned, it is for Christians to keep as well because they are the Israel of God in Christ.
2: That is Pastor Michael Tanko and this is Reaching Your Heart. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, you can call at any time, 24-7, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Someone is standing by right now to take your phone call. Today's message with Pastor Michael Oksentenko is entitled, The Sign and the Seal. We'll bring this to you in two parts. Again, The Sign and the Seal. And don't forget, you can find it online at reachingyourheart.com. Here's Pastor Mike.
1: Dear Father God, we would be bereft without the cross of Christ, but we are rich because of it. And Father, we've gone a little longer today, and I need the patience of the saints here a little bit. We're going to have a Bible study on what it means to have the seal of the living God. And So help us in our opening of the Word of God, Lord, to live what we learn. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The famous American clergyman Henry Van Dyke once said, Time is too slow for those who wait too swift for those who fear, too long for those who grieve, too short for those who rejoice, but for those who love, time is eternity. Friend, love has no lasting meaning unless love possesses the power to live on forever. If love dies, love is really not eternal and love loses its meaning. Friend, love has no power in the end unless love can linger for a friend and stay there so that love never goes away. Love has no future unless love is the future that opens the door to a never-ending tomorrow. For love to win in the end, friend, love must dig in. Love must be there. Love must be in your todays and in your tomorrows. The Bible says God is love. God is love. His name, His character, His law is love. It has ever been, it ever will be. We worship a God of love. And unless God sticks in there with us in time, we lose love. Friend, we will not lose God because God is committed to loving us in the timeline that we are in. That is why God spoke the language of love into the seventh day at the dawn of time. Last week we focused on the Sabbath. We went to the book of Revelation, Revelation 1.10, where John says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And we saw how intricately connected is the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer and the worship of God on the seventh day Sabbath, which is Saturday. So God spoke the language of love into the seventh day, and He left it there forever to be a sign and a seal for all eternity that we might know that we can have an eternal relationship with Jesus Christ and God the Father. That is why God left that sacred sign of the Sabbath at the dawn of time. Turn with me to Genesis 2.1. Let's go back and look at the creation story and catch the picture as we move through the Bible. Moses writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished. And all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished His work which He had done. He rested on the seventh day from all His work which He had done. So God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it, because on it God rested from all His work which He had done in creation. Friend, as soon as there was a man and a woman to know God... God Himself separated the seventh day from the other six days. And the Bible is utterly clear here. He blessed it. I'm just going to speak forthrightly to you. It's amazing to me to see religious-minded people who really do love Jesus. And I'm not here trying to be condescending. But somehow they've bought into this idea that the seventh-day Sabbath is counter to their relationship with God. That somehow it diminishes their walk with Jesus. And this blindness has prevented them from having... The deepest infusion of the Holy Spirit into their life because John was in the Spirit in the Lord's day and the Lord longs for us to be in the Spirit on the Lord's day. You see, there is a piece of time carved into every week that is more than time. It is a sign and a seal that God can be found by the restless soul that needs Him. That God Himself will be the hound of heaven that seeks them out. That somehow the two will connect on the Holy Sabbath day. And the Spirit will be alive in the life of the believer. You know, I need the Holy Spirit in my life. Now, God spoke through the prophet Ezekiel plainly in Ezekiel twenty twelve. You know, God doesn't get so complicated we can't understand the Bible. He lays it out in plain talk so we can know it, what he's saying clearly. Look at Ezekiel 20, verse 12. He says, Moreover, I gave them my Sabbaths, and what does it say? As a sign between me and them. That's a personal thing. That they might know, now we talked about the failure of being an ignorant Christian. Jesus said, let the reader understand in Matthew 24. We don't want to be that kind of a Christian at the end, so we need to be knowing Christians. That they might know that I, the Lord, sanctify them. So there's a lot in this verse. Friend, in the beginning, God made the seventh day Sabbath holy. The book of Genesis is so clear about this. And God hallowed the seventh day as the sign that we can know God as our Savior and friend. I want to know God. You want to know God? I need the Sabbath as a sign that helps it happen. It's between us and God. We are holy His because God Himself is holy. Friend, the Sabbath is a sign that God can make you holy His. That He can fix up your life and He can mend your ways. We come to know God because God chose the Sabbath day as the way in the beginning to know God at the very dawn of time. I mean, the first action in history where God says, I want to know my people, he made the Sabbath. And then he made Eden as well, and he put them together, a place and a time to meet with God. Henry Van Dyke was right. Time is too slow for those who wait, too swift for those who fear, too long for those who grieve, too short for those who rejoice. But for those who love, time is eternity. They have come to believe, many Christians today, that the Sabbath represents a form of spiritual slavery and oppression. Have you ever heard that? Someone said, well, you know, the Sabbath. Why do you keep the Sabbath? You know, I'm a New Covenant Christian. I don't believe in that. Isn't that old Jewish relic? Well, the only problem with that thinking is the Sabbath goes, yes, it goes back to Judaism. You can take it back to the time of Christ. Christ kept the Sabbath in Luke 4. The apostles, which were Jews after the death of Christ, kept the Sabbath in Acts 13. You can go back to the Old Testament. Yes, Moses kept the Sabbath at Sinai when it was revealed. But if you go before Sinai, you can go to Exodus 16 when manna fell. They kept the Sabbath before the law was given him Mount Sinai. And if you go further back still, the Bible says that Abraham kept my statutes, my laws, and my commandments in the Torah. But if you go way back to Eden, God kept the Sabbath. Because God declared it holy. He set it apart as His. And so they've come to believe that it's a relic of Judaism. But it isn't so. It goes so far back, it breaks the boundary of Judaism. It goes to the origin of the world. And these well-believing Christians, and many of them are my friends, and I used to be one of them, they believe that the Bible Sabbath is a Jewish relic that must be rejected for us to be free in the New Covenant. Now, this hatred of the Sabbath, not necessarily intentionally, but instilled culturally, goes all the way back, and it may be a surprise, to the ancient Babylonians who taught their people to despise the seventh day as something evil in this world. I mean, the hatred of the Sabbath was found in Babylon. This is an inscription that was found on an ancient Babylonian monument as a testament to the Babylonian religion's hatred of the seventh-day Sabbath. It reads, The seventh day is a feast of Marduk and Zarpanet, an evil day. The shepherd of the great people shall not eat flesh cooked on coals or smoked. That means no grilling on Sabbath. The garment of his body he shall not change. Now that would be pretty bad to come to church smelling on Sabbath nor put on clean raiment. You're to show up dirty on Sabbath in the Babylonian religion. An offering he shall not make. The king shall not ride in a chariot. No hot rodding on Sabbath. He shall not speak as a victor. You're supposed to be depressed. A seer shall not utter an oracle in a secret place. It goes on. The physician shall not lay his hand on the sick No healing on the Sabbath. That sounds like what they accused Jesus of doing. Don't you dare heal on the Sabbath. And it continues. At night the king shall bring his gift before Marduk and Ishtar and pour out a libation. The lifting up of his hand will then be acceptable to his God. Now, for the ancient Babylonians, the only good thing about the seventh day Sabbath was when it came to an end. Night came, you could kind of lighten up, the Sabbath is over. It was not a time for a king or his subjects to be happy. It was not a time to rejoice in God. It was not a time to feel the cleanness of God, to worship God. It was a time to kind of bear and get it over with. Now, according to the Bible, the Sabbath is a sign that God can be found and that God is holy and that God can make you holy and that God cares enough to come to us in relationship with us. I mean, these are huge themes In Genesis 2... God performed four very clear actions on the seventh day that embedded the meaning of love into the day. I mean, you can't rip the love of God out of the seventh day. Let's go through them. Action number one. The Bible says in Genesis 2, God finished all his work that he had done on the seventh day. You know, life is not complete and God is not done unless we come to rest in him. I mean, if your life journey has not brought you into a rest reliance on Christ, your life is unfinished. God finished His work on the seventh day. Action number two. God rested on the seventh day from all His work which He had done. He rested. We live in a very troubled world. We move about. Think of it. If you could bottle up the rest of the seventh day and sell it, you would be a multi-multi-billionaire.
2: You are listening to Reaching Your Heart. More with Pastor Michael Oxen-Tanko in just a moment. A reminder, we are a listener-funded ministry. We do appreciate your support. If you can help us out with a financial contribution, here's the phone number, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. You can also find us on the web at reachingyourheart.com. Here he is, Pastor Mike, once again.
1: Think of it. If you could bottle up the rest of the seventh day and sell it, you would be a multi-multi-billionaire. And yet God offers it free, and men and women pull back from that which is free and wonderful. Life on the sixth day is unfinished existence. That's the day Adam and Eve were It Finished existence is the seventh day. Completeness in Him. Action number three. The Bible says God sanctified the seventh day. Now, the Hebrew word for sanctify is kodesh, and it means to set apart, to make it holy. God made the seventh day for a different purpose. He set it apart different than the six days of the week. Action number four, God blessed the seventh day. Does anybody here know what the word blessing means? What does it mean to bless someone? Now, I don't mean bless them out. Bless them. Yeah, you do something which instills happiness. You're wishing goodwill on someone, right? So if God blessed the seventh day, you know what He did? He said, let me pour joy and happiness into a day. I will bless the day. And if you enter into the rest of that day, you'll have my happiness. I want to be happy every day. Do you want to be happy every day? I need to boot up on the seventh day to enjoy the rest and happiness of God throughout the entire week. The Bible is clear that there's life in the Sabbath because God's love lives in the day. It's a living day because God is in it. When God created the world in the beginning, He spoke seven times. God said, let there be light. And God said seven times, seven days, Many people don't realize when God called Moses to build the sanctuary in the desert, He did exactly the same thing. Seven times God spoke, and you can read it in the Hebrew text. Exodus 25, 1. Exodus 30, verse 1. Exodus thirty-seventeen. Exodus 30.22, Exodus 30.34, Exodus 31.1, and the seventh time, Exodus 31.12. When the sanctuary is being built, when Moses is being instructed to build it, how to build it, God speaks seven times like he did at the creation of the world. And in Exodus 25.8, he says, let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. So the seventh time, Just like a creation, when he's building the sanctuary, what does God say? Take your Bibles and turn with me to Exodus 31. Look at verse 12. I mean, it matches creation. It shows that the sanctuary itself was to match the seven days and the entire created order. It was a model of creation. And the Lord said to Moses, verse 12, Exodus 31, 12, that is the seventh statement of God in the construction of the sanctuary, just like creation, the seventh day. And the Lord said to Moses... Say to the people of Israel, You shall keep my Sabbath, for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. You see, he took the time to say what I did at the beginning of time, what I did at the dawn of time when I made a temple in time, when I carved out the fabric of space-time, as Einstein says... I set aside the Sabbath day as a sign that you might know me, the Lord. That you might have a relationship with me and that you might know that I sanctify you. I set you apart because I set the day apart and my blessing is for you. Verse 14, you shall keep the Sabbath because it is holy for you. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. That's a strong language there. Look what else he says. Whoever does any work on it, that soul shall be cut off from his people. What is God trying to say? God is simply saying that there is life in a relationship with Him. You cut yourself off from that relationship, and guess what? You don't live. You may exist, but you don't live. The book of Revelation teaches us in Revelation 14 that the worshipers of the beast have no rest day or night. They have existence, but they do not have a relationship with God. John 17, 3, Jesus said, And this is life eternal, that they might know Thee, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom Thou hast sent. So the Sabbath day, in a concrete way, brings us into a fellowship with God that we might know Him. So in this sense, the seventh day is not about us. It's about God. It's about God bringing his life to us and ministering to us. Now, in Scientific America, June 26th of 2006, there was a fascinating article. And it demonstrated that we all have a biological clock. You know, we're tied to the sequence of the moon and the sun, and there's a rhythm, and there's a seven day rhythm that is actually put into our DNA. You know, every culture across the face of the earth recognizes a seven day week. In the French Revolution, the French thought, well, let's create a ten day week like the ancient Egyptians did. It didn't last. You can't sustain life on a ten day week. And we also know that melatonin, that calming chemical in your brain, is released at a certain time. It obeys the laws of a biological clock. Now, I know this to be true because I had sleep deprivation because I had a dog named Smokey in my house. Smokey would bark and howl. He was half coyote. He still is half coyote. the middle of the night, I go, there goes my rim. And I actually used to call him no Rim as a nickname you know no rim you know REM is rapid eye movement that essential time of sleep that makes you work right i call him hey no rim quit waking me up well he went down to tennessee he sleeps in my son's fj cruiser who's going to college in the parking lot of my parents house my wife's parents house and he's been gone for a long time now and i get rim sleep i like it I love smoky, but I hate sleep deprivation. Why? Because we need to go to sleep and when it gets dark enough to have that two or three hours before midnight and then get up at the right time and keep the rhythm right. Verse 15 of Exodus 31, Six days work shall be done. Now that means we should be productive, not lazy. But the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest. In the Hebrew, a Sabbath of Sabbaths, holy to the Lord. It's holy to Him, whether it's holy to you or not. Some people say, well, you know, Pastor Mike, why are you talking about the Sabbath? But I'm talking about the Sabbath because it's holy to the Lord. If something's holy to the Lord, it ought to matter to me. You know, it doesn't matter what my theology is. Throw out my theology. If it's holy the Lord, it matters to God. Now look what it says. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day shall be put to death. God said, look, you can't live unless you have a relationship with me, right? He's not being arbitrary here. He's saying life is to know me. To not know me will lead to death. Now as far as God is concerned, the seventh day Sabbath is a life and death matter for our souls And the book of Revelation teaches it will be the very issue in Christianity when the mark of the beast hits at the end of time. Why? Because it has everything to do with our practical relationship and surrender to Jesus Christ. It is a sacred channel that God has chosen to share His grace, His love, and His life with you and your family. You literally cannot live without it. Verse 16, Therefore the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath Observing the Sabbath throughout their generations. Now, what does it say on the text there? As a perpetual covenant, the Hebrew is as a breet olam, as eternal covenant. In verse 16, some say, Aha, Pastor Mike, the Sabbath was made for the Jews. Doesn't it say right there, the people of Israel are to keep the Sabbath? It doesn't say anyone else. Come on, interact with me. Yeah. Well, it does say that. Well, let's look at that. Before we analyze verse 16, let's consider the words of Jesus about the matter. Turn to Mark 2, 27-28. Our topic this morning is a Bible study, so you'll be moving through your Bibles. And He, Jesus, said to them, the Sabbath was made, what? For man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, even the Sabbath. In other words, God made the Sabbath for your good. It's not for your harm, but for your good. And Jesus is in charge of the Sabbath, very clearly stated. Now, according to Jesus, the Sabbath was made for everyone. He says man here. The Greek is universal. Mankind is implied in the Greek construction. And it goes on to say, and he himself is Lord of the Sabbath. So Christ is the Lord of all peoples, all mankind, and it was made for everyone. That's what Jesus is saying. So if Christ is the Lord of the Sabbath, then the Sabbath is by definition the Lord's day. And anything that is good enough for Jesus Christ is good enough for me as a follower of Jesus Christ. Is that not true? And if Jesus says something is for my good, it is. According to the New Testament, if you belong to Jesus, friend, you are a son of Abraham and an heir according to the promise. How many of you like to be left out of God's will? Left out of the inside track? Left out of Israel? Left out of God's family? You want to do that? The answer is no. We have an inclusive God who brings us in. The Bible is very clear. The church is Israel. It is the Israel of God in the New Testament because Jesus has only one body of believers after the cross. He does not have two because, first of all, he only has one bride. He's not a polygamist. He will not be married to one people here and another here. He will be married to all people as one in the New Jerusalem. Turn to Galatians three twenty-eight and 29. Now the Apostle Paul, the great evangelist to the Gentiles, wrote, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are what? What does the text say? You are all one, how? In Christ. I mean, in Christ we are not to think of how different we are, We to think that we belong to Him as one people. This is why a multi-ethnic church bears witness to the truth of the Gospel. Verse 29, And if you are Christ." then your Abraham's seed or offspring heirs according to the promise. You know, the great promises made to Abraham belong to us as Christians because we belong to Christ. The gospel proclaims that God is not a racist here. That God is inclusive according to Galatians 3, 16 and 17. The promises of God were given to Abraham and to his seed. And you'll notice in your translation it's singular. And it means Jesus Christ. God promised Jesus the promises that we realize in the gospel. So if you belong to Christ according to Paul, you share in the blessings of Abraham, you are a spiritual Israelite, you are inside the inside track, and you have all that God has blessed you with in Christ and the promises are realized. Look at Galatians 6:14. Paul writes, "But far be it from me to glory except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation." And then he makes this amazing statement, Peace and mercy be upon all who walk by this rule, upon the Israel of God. He's talking to the church. God's church has become the Israel of God. So if you belong to Jesus Christ, you belong to Israel, and you are a new creation. I mean, pinch yourself. You know, come on, take your hand out. Pinch yourself. It's true. It's real. You are a new creation, part of the Israel of God, if you belong to Christ. Romans 9.6 But it is not as though the word of God had failed. For not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel. Verse 7 And not all are children of Abraham because they are his descendants. But through Isaac shall your descendants be named. Now it gets radical in verse 8. This means that it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise are reckoned as descendants. When you have faith in Christ, you are reckoned righteous, and thus you become a child of Abraham according to the authority of the Apostle Paul, and you are not an outsider. You are inside the plan of God, inside the family of God. When God commands the Sabbath to be kept by the children of Israel throughout their generations, as far as the New Testament is concerned, it is for Christians to keep as well because they are the Israel of God in Christ. And so it's a false argument that people put forward. The children of Israel, we are the children of Israel because we are in the holy line that brought us to Christ who is the sacred seed of God. There's no such thing as two peoples of God in the Bible. We have the modern dispensationalist theology which is utterly undefensible from Scripture. You can't defend it because it denies some of the most core and key truths of the Bible that God has one people in the mystery of the gospel.
2: Make sure you join us again tomorrow when we conclude this broadcast. Thanks for listening today to Reaching Your Heart with Pastor Michael Tanko. We are a listener-supported ministry and would love for you to partner with us as we continue to present Christ-centered, biblical truths of Scripture in practical and relevant ways. Call us right now at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Visit the website reachingyourheart.com to find out more about this ministry. Reaching Your Heart and Pastor Michael Tanko. That's reachingyourheart.com. 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. You can donate right there on the website, reachingyourheart.com. 888-244-HOPE. Thanks for listening. And as always, we do pray that God is reaching your heart.